given these to you at the door, but if I'd have given them to you at the door, you might have been reading through them during the worship, you see. So being an old school teacher all those years, I've learned all the tricks. And so we need a couple more copies. All right, there you go. Do you all have it? And so you're going to find out this morning, what does it say at the top there? It says, who are you? So you're going to find out who you are. So when people ask you today or later today what you learned at church, you're going to tell them you found out who you are. And uh, look at Luke 13. It's right there in your notes, right there in your what I gave you. You can't miss it. You see Luke 13? How many have that? Now, if you don't have that, I can't help you any further. I did all I can for you. And it will be on the screen up there as well. Luke 13, 10. These are all in the New King James Version, except there's, there's two of them that are not. But I've, I'll, I'll let you know when, when we switch. But New King James Version. The reason I use different versions sometimes. How many of you know there's only one Bible? Is that right? But it was written in Hebrew and Greek and the New Testament in Greek. But uh, there's different versions, King James, New King James, New International Version, New Living Translation, Amplified. And they just give you, uh, basically, they're, they're pretty close, most of them, but some of them put the Bible in, in English like we talk in every day. Like King James is a lot of Elizabethan English, and, and I don't know too many of us that speak Elizabethan English. But you get the New King James takes a lot of the thous and the thuses and the out of there, you know, and then uh, some of the like New Living Translation kind of puts it in everyday talk. But you got you got to even be watchful with the different translations. That's why I recommend you read the Bible. I'd start with the New King James, then I'd read the New International Version, then I'd read the Amplified, then I'd read the New Living Translation. And by the time you get through, if you just have like those three or four translations, you can pretty well get what the Bible's telling you. You okay? You all right? Okay. So, Luke 13. Now he, verse 10, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Isn't that that's that's sad, isn't it? And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. And so he wasn't getting these people healed on any of the days. Is that right? So that's just man-made religion. Very sad. Verse 15, the Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite. Well, that's pretty blunt, isn't it? Would Jesus use such a word? Well, he just did, didn't he? Does not each of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? Now here, verse 16, so ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, you ought to underline that or highlight that. Being a daughter of Abraham, whom now who bound her? Did God bind her? Who bound her up? Who is Satan? That's the devil, right? So Jesus said, this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, this woman should be what? Loosed from this bond on the Sabbath or any other day. 
Notice, why should she be loosed? She should be loosed because she was a who? A daughter of Abraham. Now, if you're not aware of it, God made an eternal covenant with Abraham. And, and I could spend hours teaching on it, but I'll just say this. One of the stipulations of that covenant was healing. Healing. And so this woman, because she was a daughter, or we could say it this way, a descendant of Abraham, had a right to be healed. But she apparently did not know who she was. She didn't know who she was. And I'll tell you this much, if you don't know who you are, the devil's going to come in and take advantage of you. Guarantee it to you. And notice, because she didn't know who she was, Satan came in and kept her bound for how long? Eighteen years. But Jesus knew who she was. She was a daughter of Abraham. And because she was a daughter of Abraham, she should have been healed. She had a right to healing. But she, she wasn't walking into healing. She, she didn't know who she was. And then, of course, Jesus healed her. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? So, with that in mind, and we'll come back to this at the very end, but don't you turn that page over now. Don't turn that page over and look at the bottom. Now, do you promise me you won't? Because we'll get to it at the end of this message. But before we talk more about being a descendant, a descendant of Abraham, I just want to share with you who you are. Who does the Bible say you and I are? And so with that in mind, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-two. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-two. It says this. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now that's something to be excited about. But let me explain just a little bit to you here. How does a person get in Adam? You know who Adam was, right? The first man. Adam and Eve, remember? Adam and his wife Eve. All you have to do to get in Adam... There's nothing that you, you just be born. How many of you in here were born? If you don't raise your hand, I can't, I can't help you. How many of you were born, you know, as a little bitty baby? Any, yeah, can you, how many how people were born in here? Okay, ever I, got, I think I got everybody's hand up. All you have to do to get in Adam is what? Be born into this earth as a human being. Everybody's born in Adam. And it says here, the Bible says, in Adam all what? All die. Well, certainly we understand that if Jesus tarries his coming, you know what I mean by tarries is if he, if he doesn't come back in our lifetime, we're all going to go by way of the grave. Is that correct? And we're all going to die. And that's only in part what that word die is talking about. Because I mean... Certainly, uh, human beings all, what, at some point die. But it means more than just physical death. In Adam, all die. There's three, there's three things that that word die means as you study the Bible. And most people only, only understand one of them. 
physical death. You can go out on the street and ask any sinner, any heathen out there that doesn't know God and say, what's going to happen to, one of, to you one of these days if you live long enough? What are they going to say? You, you, know, you get old or whatever. What's going to happen? They'll all admit that you're going to what? One day die. But they're just thinking about physical death where you die and the undertaker comes and takes you, right? But that's just one part of it. That word die means this. It means spiritual death. Didn't God say to Adam on the, he said, of all the trees of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you'll not eat of it. For in the day you eat thereof you shall surely what? Die. And Adam ate of that tree and gave, Eve actually ate of it, then gave to Adam and he ate. He wasn't somewhere off elsewhere in the garden. He was right there when the devil through the serpent was tempting Eve. And Eve ate. She gave it to her husband. He ate. The Bible said that the woman was deceived. The man was not. But nonetheless, Adam committed high treason against God. He ate of that fruit. He disobeyed God. And when he did, he died. But pastor, read, read the Bible. He lived, he lived almost a thousand years. Look. Did God lie? God doesn't lie, does he? He said, in the day you eat thereof, you'll surely what? Die. And Adam did die. The moment he ate that fruit, he died spiritually. His spirit was cut off from the life of God. So was Eve's. Their spirits were cut off from the life of God. And so this word die here means spiritual death, spiritual separation from God. And that's what happened when Adam ate of that tree. He died spiritually. He was cut off from the life of God. And when he was cut off from the life of God, that also meant, see, death. There's three things. There's spiritual death, being cut off from the life of God or separated from the life of God. And then there's physical death. That's when your spirit is separated from your body. The Bible says in the book of James, the the body without the spirit is dead. And, And when you look at somebody laying in a casket... That's their body, but their spirit has, has left, you see. That's, that's physical death. So there's spiritual death, separated from God. There's physical death, your spirit separated from your body. And then there's a third thing, eternal death, which means eternal separation from God in a place called hell, or we could call it the lake of fire. Now, that's bad. There's no good news about that. Is that correct? It's all bad news right there. If we just read the first part of that verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it's all bad news. In Adam, all die. So when we were born into this earth, we're born in Adam because, you see, we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. Can you say amen? Everybody in this room, we can track our, our, our genealogy all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. You see, what Adam and Eve did in the garden didn't just affect them. It affected everybody that, that would come from their loins all the way down. Are you okay? You understand that? And so, uh, being born into this earth puts you in Adam. And in Adam, we all die. We all experience spiritual death. That's being cut off from the life of God. Physical death. When your spirit leaves your body and you go into casket, Right? And then eternal death, which means it's eternally separated from God in the lake of fire or hell. You okay? You understand that? So in Adam is not a place, 
It's a place we all are when we're born, but it's a place you don't want to stay. Is that right? You don't want to stay there. In Adam, all die. Don't, don't, don't stay in Adam. You don't want to stay in Adam. Don't want to stay there. You had no choice in the first half of this verse. No choice in it at all. You understand that? No choice. The first half of this verse is all bad news. But we don't just read half verses in this church. Amen. In Adam, all what? And what do you have to do to be in Adam? Just be born. But there's good news. Because we got the second half of the verse. So in Christ, all shall be what? Made alive. Now that's all good news. That's all good news. Second, second, second part of that verse, that's the gospel. That's all good news. Gospel means good news. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? So, in Christ, all shall be made alive. So, what do you have to do to be in Adam? Just be born. What do you have to do to be in Christ? Be born Again, can you say amen? Jesus said you must be what? Born again. He, he said that to Nicodemus in John the third chapter. Uh, actually, what that really means in the Greek, you must be born from above. In other words, see, you're born in Adam, and, and you have no choice in that. None at all. But the second part of this verse, you have a choice in it. You have a choice in it. You have no choice in the first half of that verse, but you have complete and total choice in the second half of that verse as to whether you get in Christ or not. You understand that? Now, before we look at a verse that brings out about being in Christ, look at Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. I have it there for you. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us. You see, God loves us. Notice, even when we were what? Dead in what? See, that's not talking about physical death. That's talking about spiritual death. De- de- dead in trespasses or sins. Even when we were dead in trespasses. That's when we could say it like this. Even when we were in Adam, does that make more sense to you now? If we if we said that when we're in Adam, we're dead. See, when people think of death, I'm telling you, even most church people, including people out in the world that don't even know God, when you talk about death, people think about going to the funeral home. Is that right? But you need to realize that just one. There's three parts to it. Remember, we just said it to you. There's there's not just physical death. What is there first? There's spiritual death, where your spirit's separated from the life of God. There's then what? Physical death, where your spirit's separated from your body. And then there's what? Eternal death, which is being separated from God for eternity in the lake of fire. See, so notice here. Uh, in Adam, you're, you, you, you've got all three of those. And he's, he's saying right here, verse 5, Even when we were, what, dead in 
trespasses. That's talking about when we're in Adam and we're dead. We're separated from God because of sin. Notice here, even when we were dead in trespasses. Now, now go on and read. What does it say after that? God made us what? Alive together with Christ. That's all good news, isn't it? But you say, well, pastor, I'm already alive. I'm already, can't you see? I'm moving my hands. I'm already alive. That's not talking about being physically. That's talking about spiritual. Do you you understand that? Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been what? Saved. And notice, see, in Adam all die. In Christ, we're made alive. See, when we, when we get born again, the life of God hits our spirit and, 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 and the Holy Spirit hooks us back up with the life of God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't, isn't that wonderful? So, so see, when, when, when we're made alive, when we, get, when we get born again, we're made alive. The Spirit of God hooks us back up with the life of God. The Spirit of God comes on the inside of us, you see. Isn't that wonderful? And, and, and then we're reunited with God spiritually, right? Now, we're all going to have to face physical death one day, right? But the good news is, is if, see, you don't want to die in Adam. You want to die in who? See, if you die in Adam, you're going to go to hell. Is that right? But you don't have to die in Adam. Now, you have no choice of being in Adam. You're in Adam when you're born into the earth. But you have a choice to get out of Adam and get in Christ. And when you do, you get born again. And what happens when you get born again, the Spirit of God hooks your spirit back up with the life of God. You understand that? Now, you're going to still die one of these days, but the good news is, is if you die in Christ, you don't go to hell, you go where? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that good news? That's good news, isn't it? And there's more good news. One of these days, uh, when the Lord returns, the, the Lord himself, I'll just quote this to you, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in, you read this in, I think, First or Second Thessalonians, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, the Bible says, will be changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, and will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But notice that again. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall what? Rise first, and we get a resurrected body. Well, isn't that wonderful? And our born-again spirit will come into our resurrected, glorified body, and we'll never die again. We'll live with God forever. Can you say amen? Isn't that wonderful? I didn't even have that verse in there, but you could read it in, I think, First Thessalonians, I believe it is. Do we need to look that up? Let's, let's go look that up. First Thessalonians, I, look, look, look that up. I, I just feel impressed we need to go look that up. Now, in here you never know what's going to happen. Holy Ghost running this place. We don't, we don't run off of a quarterly. Amen. You find First Thessalonians? I think it's, I want to say chapter 4. Let me find, find it here. 4.13. 1 Thessalonians. Come on, Bible students, help me. What? For, for what? 
All right, let's go to verse 16. Let's throw that on the screen. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in who? In who? In Christ shall rise first. So you want to be in Christ, don't you? And we could go on and read the rest of that. But when you die, you want to definitely what? Be in Christ. See, in Adam, there's no hope. In Christ, there's all kinds of hope. Let's get back to Ephesians here. Chapter 2. It's right there in your notes. Verse 6. It's right there in your notes there. And raised us up together... And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, you need to realize positionally where God sees you. He doesn't see you down here on the earth defeated and broke, busted and disgusted. He sees you raised up together and seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Can you say amen? You know, I, I, I tell you what, you need to stop looking at your problems from down here on the earth. You need to realize who you are in Christ and realize where you're seated with Christ in heavenly places and start looking at your problems from there and your problems will be a lot, look a lot smaller to you than looking at them from down here. Did you get what I just said? How many got what I just said? Most Christians have, you need to notice, I'm not being critical, but most Christians have no idea of what I'm talking about here today. You need to know what I'm talking about here today. You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to realize that in Christ you're seated, you're seated with Him in heavenly places. Isn't that wonderful? And I'll just say this, this came up in my spirit. The Bible says that God sits in the heavens and He laughs. And so if you know who you are in Christ, you're seated with Christ in heavenly place, there ought to be some joy in your life. Is that right? I said there ought to be some joy in your life. Is that right? Sit with God and laugh at the problem. Amen. That's better than worrying about it day and night. Have you ever noticed all your worrying hasn't ever solved one problem? All it's done is, is make, you, make you feel bad. Is that correct? Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't deal with our problems and do what we need to do. There's some natural things we need to do concerning our problems. But ultimately, if we just realize we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, and just, just, just sit there and laugh, laugh with the Lord. Amen. Is that all right? That beats worrying, if nothing else. Is that right? And notice verse 7, that in the ages to come, People want to know what we're going to be doing in the ages to come. In the ages to come. Well, the Bible tells us, in the ages to come, He, God, might show us the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in who? In. That's why you don't want to stay in Adam. You want to get in Christ Jesus. Is that right? I know about you, but I'm looking forward to in the ages to come, God showing me the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness. Glory to God. You can never exhaust that. Notice verse 12. Notice verse 12 here. Now, it says, and for sake of time, we'll just skip to verse 12. At that time, now this is speaking in Adam. 
at that time in Adam, you were without Christ. And when you're without Christ, the Bible says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. See, that woman that we started reading about, that daughter of Abraham, she didn't know her covenant. She didn't know who she was. She didn't have a clue. And Satan was able to bind her for 18 years. And you see, when you're in Adam and you don't know, you're in Adam and you've never been born again, you've never, never gotten born again, see, you're without Christ. You don't want to die without Christ. There, there, there was a, a commercial years ago, Don't Leave Home Without It. How many of you ever saw that? I think that was American Express. Is that right? It said, Don't Leave Home Without It. Well, I, I like to say, Don't ever leave home without Jesus. Don't leave, don't leave, uh, no, no, it wasn't that. Don't leave the earth without, don't leave the earth without Jesus. Is that right? Don't leave the earth without Him. Is that right? Because when you're without Christ, you're, you're alien from God. You're a stranger from God. You have no, we read on here, stranger from the covenant of promise and having no what? People that are without Christ have no hope. And, but why? Because they're, read on, they're without who? They're without God in the world. You getting anything out of this? But now, realize, say, but now. See, but now in Christ Jesus, see, in Christ Jesus, you who, who were once far off, what far off from who? Far off from God, you've been brought near by what? The precious blood of who? Of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. So somebody might ask the question, Pastor Terry, I want to get out of Adam. I want to get in Christ. How do I get out of Adam? How do I get in Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at Ephesians 1.13. Right there in the NIV, New International Version. Look at this. And you also were included in Christ Jesus. When? When? When, 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 when? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having what? Having what? Having what? Having believed, and this, this right here, this word believed in the Greek, it does not just mean mentally assenting to something. This is talking to, about selling out your heart, trusting in, having confidence in, believing in, opening your heart to and receiving, you see. I like the way the, uh, uh, Bonnie, uh, put, put John 3.16 up on there, would you, in the New King James, I'm sorry, in the Amplified. Put John 3.16 up there in the Amplified. Would you do that? You, you need to look at this. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his only begotten unique son, that's Jesus, so that whoever believes in, I like the way the King James says this, believes in, see, it doesn't just mean a mental assent. What does it mean? It means what? To what? Trust in and what? See, that word believe means, see, I, I believe George Washington was the first president of the United States, but I don't know George Washington. I believe Donald Trump is the president right now, but I don't know Donald Trump. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I know Jesus. Did you get what I just said? 
because I've received Jesus into my heart. See, I cling to him. I don't trust in anybody or anything else for going to heaven except J-E-S-U-S. I cling to him. I trust in him. I love him. I believe on him. I receive him. Do you understand that? I confess him before men. I give my life. I give my life if I had to. Jesus is Lord, the Son of the Living God. See, and you can't say that with that kind of conviction unless He's living in there. Do you get what I just said? See, so so to to get out of Adam and get in Christ. You have to hear the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life here upon the earth. He was tempted in all points like as you and I are, yet he never sinned. He, he was beaten immersively. He was crucified on that old rugged cross. He shed that, that holy, sinless blood. He died on that cross. He was buried. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I tell you what, if you believe that in your heart and you'll turn from your sins you'll turn from whatever it is you're trusting in and you'll turn to him and you say jesus come into my heart that quick you're moved out of adam and into christ can you say amen is that wonderful is that wonderful so look at ephesians 1 13 again it's right there at the bottom of your 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 notes or it's in your notes there it's the bottom of my notes and you also were included in christ when when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having what? Having believed, you were marked. Glory to God, I'm a marked man. How about you? You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Folks, I tell you what, this is one of the most outstanding messages, not because I'm preaching it, but that you could ever hear as a Christian because you need to know these things. And actually, if you're a sinner, you need, to, you need to hear this because this is how you would learn, hey, I'm in Adam. I need to get out of Adam. I need to get in Christ. See? But even once people receive Jesus, they, a lot of times they still go years. They live years and years and years and years as Christians and don't know fully who they are. Now, notice Colossians 1.13. Give us a little bit more of what actually happens when we get born again. How do you get in Adam? You just be born in the earth. How do you get in Christ? You must be what? Born again. Why does he keep repeating himself, Hazel? Is there anybody named Hazel in here? Ask your wife. Why does he keep repeating it? Repetition is the seed of learning. I've learned teaching over all these years. You go over stuff real quick, real fast. Folks won't get it as they should. That's why I go over it again and again and again. You need to get it. I'd rather, say, I'd rather say less and you get it than say a whole bunch of stuff and you only remember hardly none of it. Is that right? So what happens when somebody gets born again? I love these verses here. Colossians 1, 13, 14. These King James Version. I like the way King James brings it out. It says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness? Let's talk about what God did through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has delivered us from the power of darkness. Now, the power of darkness, do you think that's when you're in Christ or in Adam? In Adam, see? And when you're in Adam, it's darkness. You're in, under the power of the devil, under the power of darkness, you see? Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has what? Translated us. 
I like that word translated. Translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Praise God. That's what happens when you get born again. That's what happens when a sinner hears the gospel and they believe it in a moment's time. Faster than you can snap your finger. Faster than you can blink your eye. You're moved from the, from the kingdom of darkness and under the power of the devil. Just that quick over into the kingdom of light. Into the kingdom of God's dear son. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Is that wonderful? Say translated. Translated. I mean that boom. Just that fast. Fa- I mean faster than Scotty can beam Kirk and Spock from the planet onto the Enterprise. Faster than that. Can I throw a little humor in for you once in a while? How many even knows who Scott, uh, Spock and Kirk are? Okay. Have you ever seen anybody get beamed up? Beam me up, Scotty. Well, I tell you, faster than you could get beamed on the Enterprise, that's how fast the Holy Ghost moves you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 14, in whom? Say in whom. That's talking to in Jesus. See, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. How do you take any one of these verses and dance for a lifetime over it? Just... Now look at 1 Corinthians 12.13. It will show you some more of what happens. Notice this. This is such a misunderstood verse. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. You know what most people think that's talking about there? They think it's talking about water baptism. That's not talking about water baptism at all. I haven't ever seen the Holy Ghost baptize anybody in water. Have you? Who baptizes in water? A human being will baptize another human being in water. Is that right? Now listen, I believe in water baptism. Jesus preached water baptism. He he commanded. Did you you ever notice Jesus never water baptized one person? Did you ever notice that? Did you ever notice Paul said, I was not sent to water baptize but to preach? Did you ever notice that? Now Jesus commanded water baptism. There's a lot of people trusting in the water, the waters of baptism to get them to heaven. And how many of you know water won't wash away sin? Only the blood of Jesus will wash away sin. Now, now once, you, once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you get born again, yes, you ought to go ahead and be water baptized. We're, we're in the process of scheduling a water baptism. We've had several people get born again lately, and we need to get that. We're in the process of, of having that done. But, but you see, a lot of people think that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you go get water baptized. When you come up out of the water, then you're saved. That's a lie of the devil, dear friends. You can't find that taught in the Bible. Did you hear me? I, I, I had a, a preacher... Many years ago, when I was, was about uh, 18 years old, I didn't know hardly anything about the Bible. And he, he knew little more. He knew more than me. He had the title of preacher. And I'll never forget it. I, I told him, I said, so, he said, you've got to be water baptized. You've got to be water baptized. You've got to be I believe in water baptism. Jesus commanded it. But, uh, and some of you have heard me say this before, but in case you're visiting, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. I said, sir, I'm 18 years old. I said, sir, uh, what happens if we're on the way to the baptismal tank and I get hit by a truck? Uh, what's going to happen to me? And he said, you'll fry in hell, son. I said, really? He said, really? And, and, and I just never did. Because just with what little I knew then, I knew that it just didn't sit right with me. That you had to be water baptized to be, to be saved. No, you don't. You have to be born again to be saved. And notice right here. For by one Spirit, 
We are all that word baptized means to be immersed or to be placed into. For by one spirit, we're all baptized or placed into one body. What happens when you get born again? What happens when a person, a sinner, places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? The Holy Ghost goes into the Bible, says that the righteousness of God has come upon all men. What does that mean? That the, the Holy Ghost travels around, on t- right, hovers over every sinner, every person on this planet. The Holy Ghost is hovering over the worst sinner you could think of. He's hovering over every person on this planet, just waiting for that person with a repentant heart to say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I believe on you. Jesus, I trust in you. Be my Savior. And the moment, the moment somebody does that, the Holy Ghost, who's already there hovering over, and He'll hover over, I tell you what, He'll hover over the worst of sinners until they breathe their last breath, just waiting for them to make Jesus the Lord of their life. And the moment that they make Jesus, if they'll just call on, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I tell you, the worst sinner on his deathbed before he breathes his last breath. I'm talking about how good God is. If they'll say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I trust in you. The Holy Ghost will go into operation faster than you can snap your finger or blink your eye. Bless God. And he'll move and he'll translate that person out of the kingdom of darkness and move them over into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God's dear son. And he'll baptize them, not in water, but he'll baptize them right into the body of Christ and he'll seal them in there and nobody can take them out and they'll be out of Adam and they'll be in Christ and they'll breathe their last breath and they'll wake up in heaven. Can you say amen? Woo! Glory to God! Yeah, but they didn't have a chance to receive communion or take a water bap- get water baptized. doesn't have a thing in the world to do with anything. It has to do with did you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Saul, I'm sorry, Paul, Saul who became Paul and Silas in that prison. Remember that prison was shaken and those prisoners, all their bonds were loose. How many remembers that? How many remembers that? Huh? And it says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. How many remembers that? Praise God. That thief on the cross that hung next to Jesus, he didn't have time. He didn't have way. He said, Lord... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. How many remembers that? And Jesus, oh, oh my gosh. Jesus said, surely I say to you today you'll be with me in paradise. Those are some good words to hear. Is that right? How many of you know that thief didn't have time to get off that cross and go receive first communion, be confirmed, or get baptized? Is that right? Is that right? Now, are, am I demeaning water baptism? No. I've water baptized hundreds of people. And Jesus commanded, it needs to be done. I've been water baptized. I'm glad that I have been, praise God. But you know, people, water they'll argue about water baptism, what formula, what, you know, name of the Lord Jesus only, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. What I do, I say by the authority that's in the name of Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. That way we cover all the bases. Is that right? See? But it's not according to a formula. It's, but I believe in the water baptism. Say this, say the pastor believes in water baptism. He just doesn't believe that the water will wash away sin or help you get saved. And I've got years of study from this Bible to back that up. Have I made myself clear? How many of you, how many of you is glad that the Holy Ghost works as quick as he does? 
Glory to God. He'll move, he move, move you right out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light so fast, faster than you can blink your eye or snap your finger. Isn't that wonderful? And if I had known then what I know now, I would have responded to that preacher that would have told me that. And I just said, look, I'm gonna, I, don't have, I, I'm gonna, I would have, bless his heart, I'd have told him, look, when you get saved, you get translated so fast, you don't have time to get hit by a truck. Is that right? You're born again that quick. Aren't you glad God works that way? You know, religions of men, religion of men, I'm talking Christians over the years, they've made getting saved so blasted hard. It's not hard. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, I believe it is, that it's so simple that a wayfaring fool couldn't err from it. That's how simple salvation is. And Jesus said all you need is childlike faith. Can you say amen? I'm having fun up here. I don't know if you're having fun listening. but Now then. Now so 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit we're all baptized. That's not water baptism. That's, that just isn't. I've never seen the Holy Ghost baptize anybody in water. He baptizes you into the body of Christ. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we've all been made to drink in that one spirit. You okay? Now let's quickly look at some results here. I'm going to speed this up a little bit. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 So here are some results of being in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Is that a good deal? That's all good news there, dear friends. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Good news. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. One, one, the, the actual Greek means a new species of being, somebody that's never existed before. That's good, that's good news. Glory to God. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things passed away, all things have become new. And the next verse says, and all things are of God. I didn't put that in your notes, but it's in your Bible. The next verse said, and all things are of God. Isn't that wonderful? I tell you what, I want to be in Christ. How about you? Look at verse 21. I mean, these are all just dancing, dancing on the street verses here. For he, that's God the Father, made him, that's Jesus his son, who knew no sin to be... Sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's who you are. Now you need to understand something. In the Old Covenant, like the Bible said, And Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. See, Abraham and all those Old Testament saints, they didn't become the righteousness of God. They were accredited with it. But once Jesus was raised from the dead, now we, when we believe on him, it's not just credited to us. We actually become the righteousness of God. 
And that's the kind of thinking you need to have. You don't need to see yourself as an old sinner. Well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, I was an old sinner. I got saved by grace, but I'm not an old sinner anymore. I'm the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Glory to God, and so are you if you're in Christ. You see, but what the religion of man will do, and the men will come in and they'll preach and they'll beat you down and beat you down to the point where you think you're just an old dog just going around not worthy of anything but that's not how God sees you God doesn't see if you're in Christ he doesn't see you as an old sinner he sees you yeah you were an old sinner you got saved by grace but now you are the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus can you say amen you start thinking like that I tell you what you get a hold of this message today you're going to put the devil flat on the run glory to God you'll put sickness and disease on the run you'll put you'll put the power of darkness powers of darkness on the run can you say amen look at Ephesians 1 3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places where in Christ Jesus. I see Christians all the time going around, oh, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me, oh, Lord, bless me, oh, Lord. What does the Bible say? You have already been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Is that right? You don't need to get God to bless you. He's already blessed you with everything there is to bless you with. Now just rise up. Quit asking Him to bless you and just start thanking Him for the blessings and rise up and walk in the fullness of it. Can you say amen? Glory to God. I tell you what, it'll drive depression right out of your life, this message right here. Dry, dry, blue Monday, blue Monday. It'll drive those blue Mondays right back to right back to the pit of hell where they came from. Amen. You get a hold of this. Glory to God. Look at Romans eight, verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Dancing verse right there. You know what I mean? A little dancing verse. Glory to God. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That means you you ought to live right before God. Is that right? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Glory to God. Praise God. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And once you're in Christ Jesus, you've got the law, the spirit of life working. And that's much greater than the law of sin and death. Look at verse Romans 8, 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. I don't know. It doesn't get much better than that. A joint heir with Christ. That means everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you and me. That's exactly what that means. Now, if you can't get excited about that, then you just can't get excited about anything. Because that's some of the best news you'll ever find in the whole Bible right there. Praise God forevermore that we are joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs. How many like to be joint heir with Donald Trump? My goodness, he's a multi-billionaire. How many of you know that, 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 that uh, listen to me, listen to me. Jesus, I'm talking financially now, and all the blessings that he makes Donald Trump, and I'm, I'm all for Donald Trump, but he makes Donald Trump look like a peanut picker. Is that right? No, is that right? Is that correct? 
So I'd much rather be an heir with Christ than an heir with, 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 with Augie Bush. How many of you know the Bushes? They had some money too. Is that right? But I mean, they're just peanut pickers compared to, compared to God. Is that correct? I tell you what, I'm so thankful I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Bless God, everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to me. Now, if that can't cheer you up, then I just can't help you. Bless God. Glory to God. I almost feel a dance coming on. Praise God. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. My goodness, this is all good news here. If you're in Christ. It says, if indeed we suffer with Him. That doesn't mean suffer sickness and disease. That's talking about suffering persecution. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We have to resist, resist temptation and all of that. That's what that's talking about. And we'll be glorified with him. Look at verse 35, Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nobody. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. See, they, they, they were persecuted and mercifully back in that day. Look at verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I think about, it'd be, how many of you know it would be a good deal just to be a conqueror? That'd be a good deal just because, but God doesn't see you as a conqueror. That's not good enough. He sees you as more than a conqueror. And people usually don't understand this, so I'll give you an explanation. Years ago, I saw Jack Nicholas. You see, he won a big golf tournament. And he conquered. And how many know who Jack Nicholas is? He, he, and, and, and he won a big golf tournament. And he was a champion golfer. And they came up and they gave him a check for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So he was a conqueror. How many of you think that's a good deal, right? But then Barbara, his wife, she walked over and she took the check. How many of you know she was more than a conqueror, bless God? Is that right? She's more than a conqueror because she didn't have to do it. She didn't have to make any of the pressure putts or the pressure shots. She, he, Jack did all the work and she came in and took the prize money. But you know what? It's exactly the same way as a Christian. You see, Jesus, how many of you know, he's the conqueror. Bless God. He went on that cross. He suffered. He, he suffered all that. The Bible says he went into the inner workings of the earth and whatever all happened in there, bless God. And, and, and on the third day, he was he rose from the dead. He bore our sickness. He carried our disease. He went through all of what he went through. And how many of you know Jesus came out of that tomb and he's the conqueror, bless God. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. How many of you know Jesus was the conqueror? He is the conqueror. But we become more than conquerors when he says, now you take my name. He said, I did all the work. Now I give you my name and my power and my authority. Now you go and take my name and walk in the power of it. Can you say amen? See, he's the conqueror. But we are what? More than conquerors. Glory to God. Isn't that exciting? He won the battle and we got to check. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. I mean, you could just preach all over this. Just, this is exciting. But we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he says, verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, life, angels, principalities, powers, nor things present, things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Just a few more of these. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we could preach on that for a long time, couldn't we? Verse 19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ, you can do all things. What do you mean all things? All things that he says you can do in the Bible. 
Right? What does it, it mean to supply all your need? You need to realize the context of verse 19. He was speaking to the Philippian church, and they were the only church that communicated him in giving and receiving at this particular time. So if you're not faithful in supporting the work of the gospel, verse 19 does not apply to you. But if you'll just be faithful in doing what you reasonably can to support the work of the gospel, then verse 19 applies to you, and God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Then verse uh, 1 Corinthians 15.57. 1 Corinthians 15.57. But thanks be to God. Realize, say thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? So I gave you some, you know, in Him scriptures. In Him scriptures. But think of this. Not only are we in Christ, but you need to realize, I'll close with this, Christ is in us. Look at Colossians 1.27. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of, his, uh, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ where? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when you get born again, you're placed in Christ. But guess what? Uh, Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit comes inside you to live inside you. So where is Christ? Yes, he's seated at the right hand of the Father on high in heaven. But by the presence of his Spirit, Christ is where? In us. He's in us. We need to be God inside minded. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. Somebody said, what are you talking about? I wasn't up on that cross when he was up there. I wasn't even born into this earth yet. Yet we're talking about in the mind of God, the way God sees it. The way God sees it, see, Jesus died a substitutionary death. He took your place and my place on that cross. Is that correct? And so, you see, heaven has it written down. Now listen, heaven has it written down that I died on that cross. And that you died on that cross. That's the way God sees it. Heaven, that's the way heaven, he has it, it's written that, that, that Brian did it. Do you understand that? Now, we know Brian wasn't there. I wasn't there. Who was there? Who was on the cross? Jesus. But Jesus died there. But the way God sees it, that we were all being crucified with him. So it's credited to us. Even though we didn't have to go there and do it, Jesus did it. But heaven has it recorded that we, that we, isn't that a good deal? And we didn't have to do it. He did it. But when we believe on him, it's accredited to us. And not only accredited, it's given to us. Can you say amen? Did you get, I didn't lose you there with what I just said. It was substitutionary. I, I used to teach school. I'd have a substitute teacher and, and they'd have to go do everything that I did. And that's what Jesus, Jesus did. He went and did everything I was going to have to do, you see. That's why when, see, when somebody rejects Jesus and they don't receive him, then they don't accept his payment. So then they have to go do for themselves, what he did for them, they got to go to hell themselves. Is that right? That's why you need to get out of Adam and get in Christ. And when you're in Christ, then, then even though Jesus died on the cross, but in the mind of God, he sees it as though you and I did it. I mean, that's good news, isn't it? I didn't lose you there, did I? That wasn't heresy, what I just said there. He said, he said I have been crucified. You see that in your Bible? Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been Crucified with Well, Paul wasn't up on that cross. But see, that's the way God sees it. You weren't up there. I wasn't up there. Jesus was up there. But that's the way God sees it. Say this. I was 
crucified with Christ. Now notice this, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives where? In me, in the life which I now live by, in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because what? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So we're in Christ, but Christ is in us. Isn't that wonderful? This is, this is, I just love preaching this. So let's close then. Remember that woman earlier who was bent over? She was bent over for how long? 18 years. And she didn't know who she was. She was but Jesus said, Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan's bound, shouldn't she be loose? She was a daughter of Abraham. And remember in that at Abrahamic covenant, which is an eternal covenant, you see, in that covenant, they had a right to healing. And she didn't know that. Jesus said, being a daughter of Abraham, she ought to be loosed. i got good news for you. Look at Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ's, how many belong to Jesus? If you've received him, then you belong to him. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we've got rights to healing just like that woman. The rights to healing. Is that right? That's a good way to start this message and a good way to end it. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loose? Well, ought not you, being a descendant of Abraham, if you're in Christ, what did the Bible say? If you're Christ, then you are what? Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So anybody who is in Christ is... Now listen to me. Anybody who's in Christ will never have to go to hell. Isn't that wonderful? Ever. Ever. Isn't that wonderful? And anybody who's in Christ has... Victory over sickness and disease. Victory over oppression and depression. And then there's another part of it that I didn't even get into, which we could spend an hour on that. But did you know a part of that curse of being in Adam is poverty? But you know Jesus, the Bible said, he was rich, but he became poor so that through his poverty we might be what? Made Rich, And I tell you what, you get over in Christ and you learn some things about the Word of God and you learn some things uh, that the Bible has to say about prosperity. And I tell you what, you begin to enact those principles, spiritual principles and natural principles. See, if you want to come out of poverty and you want to leave the land of lack, come over into the land of even and then into the land of prosperity, it doesn't happen overnight. But I tell you what, the Bible teaches spiritual things you need to do, natural things you need to do. And you bring the spiritual and the natural together in the process of time. You'll be like me and my wife. You'll go from the land to lack. You'll move to the land of even. And you, I'm talking money now. You'll come over into the land of prosperity, glory to God, where you'll have not just enough, but it'll be running over. Not so that you can brag about it. Not so that you can have all kinds of diamond rings and watches and brag about it. But you'll have enough left over so that you and yours will have plenty. And you'll have enough left over to help somebody else. Can you say amen, glory to God? I tell you what, good news here today, spiritual good news, mental good news, physical good news, financial good news. Be in Christ and be blessed. Can you say amen?
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand on your feet and just raise your hands or raise your voice, however it is you do it. Let's just thank Him right here and bless Him and praise Him for His goodness. Lord, we bless You and we praise You and we magnify You and we glorify You. We bless Your holy name forever. We thank You and we bless You. We bless You that You sent Jesus to the cross. 